Hey, this is the Bad Romance Podcast. I'm Jordane Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this is a podcast where we take a bad romantic film, whether it be drama, comedy, or some kind of weird mishmash, and we talk about it and we make fun of it. And today's movie is... Runaway Bride. Yeah. We are doing another Gary Marshall. We, you know, we love him in that complicated way that you love, you love that aunt that you want to just go away and you want her to talk for 30 minutes less. That's how I feel about (laughs) most of his movies. (sighs) Runaway Bride. Uh, Like, this is a movie where... Like, I tried to watch it casually with my boyfriend, and about 10 or 15 minutes in, he just got angry and started playing Fallout 4. <laughs> Did he tell you what made him most angry? That makes me curious. It's weird. Like, he, he called it, like, really, really, like, aggressively inoffensive, which I disagree with. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think it is aggressively offensive. Oh, Absolutely. How did he think it was aggressively inoffensive? I don't know. Like, maybe it's just, like, not his lane or something. But, you know... It's our lane, so uh, it's okay. Yes, we got it. it is. It is our lane. This... Okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to talk about this movie. Um, we, we begin with Julia Roberts in a wedding dress, riding away from her wedding on a horse, and it is... What an image. What an oh, it is... Uh, if anyone listening is familiar with Jules' poetry book, this image is her poetry book. That <laughs> it is fully what I would imagine her poetry book would look like in image form. I have no clue what you're talking about, but I trust you. Well, now I know what to get you for your birthday. Oh, okay. It's a true gift. Oh, yes, a true gift. Uh, God, I don't... <sighs> it's, it's hard. It's really rough to start runaway it's really rough to start to tackle runaway bride because because there's so much and there's so little because here's the thing it is called runaway bride julia roberts is the titular runaway bride and this movie is would you say it's about her like it kind of is but it's like through the lens of a man. <laughs> it's very male. It's male gaze in all of the ways possible. The objectification, um, it might feel softer than some movies because it's not it's not like she's parading around in a bikini. Yeah. But the whole throughout the whole movie, the reason everyone proposes to her is, yes, she does have a fun personality and she has these skills she works at the hardware store they don't make her one-dimensional in that sense she is more likable than a lot of female protagonists in romantic comedies but also yeah she's that's the thing she's really likable it's essentially like i would describe runaway bride as a man trying to show a woman how broken she is yes Yes. And I just don't understand how that's romantic. Because yes. because essentially what happens is is that um this um this guy played by Richard Gere, his name is Ike. He writes for I think USA Today. Um he writes a column and he can't figure out what to write and oh my god, and he's one of those guys where like everybody knows him where they're just like, Hey Ike, hey, cool, what's up, man? Like he's friends with everybody. And you know he's Richard Gere, so he's handsome in that kind of like he's an old dad who wears a smoking jacket kind of way. And he's just like <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah. The old smoking jacket that is on point. (laughs) He's like, he, you know, there's some men working on a construction site and he, he finger guns them. You know, he has the dudes at the bar. Yeah. And he's that guy. He's that guy. And, and he's a reporter, but somehow he's this famous as a reporter. Yeah. I don't know. Really rare. Even if you're a good writer. I mean, even like, even like Carrie Bradshaw was just like standing on the corner waiting to see an image of herself on the bus. It wasn't like people all knew who she was. That's why, you know, the joke is that somebody draws a dick on her face. (laughs) 
Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, who the fuck is that chick? She writes a column. She ain't nobody. Like, that's... That's New York. <laughs> I mean, that's the world, but it really is... It, it really is. It really is here. Yeah. And, and so for him, immediately, you, you know you're going to suspend your disbelief when you watch a movie called Runaway Bride. But And it's... The first scene, you're immediately watching Richard Gere float through all of his fans and some dissenters, but even those seem to respect him as a force of writing. Mm -hmm. And it's... And he essentially goes into a bar and he can't figure out what to write about. And somebody mentions that he writes bitter diatribes about women. And his response to that is to write a bitter diatribe about women. Like... <laughs> for some reason like it's like somebody says that you do that and you and then you take offense but then you do it anyway and he has one source and it's this drunk guy in the bar which spoiler alert this drunk guy is the guy that when she's on the horse in the beginning and she's running off from the wedding this drunk guy is the guy that she was running from <laughs> which like that twist was fucking bullshit like if i had a horse i would run from this man oh yeah no he was like, totally like after you meet like once you figure out oh that's the guy it's like yeah i would run from him too yeah <laughs> girl it's a big world do you have you have options also you could be alone which seems a lot better than hanging out with that guy for the rest of your life 100 percent. can you even imagine julia roberts with that guy seriously doing oh. anything honestly and having brunch even i the the whole scene in the bar with the the source julia roberts ex talks to richard gear about how about about his ex running away on a horse and how she's run away from multiple men before him and that's a thing she does it felt like a reddit thread had come to life oh yeah he was a reddit thread like if he you know if if we had waited like a few more years he would just be on reddit drinking alone in his apartment he wouldn't be out like talking to fucking richard gear and fucking larry miller and shit (laughs) because which why cast larry miller if he's just gonna hang out in that bar for the entire i don't understand such a waste it's a waste of larry miller most movies waste larry miller the only movie that really didn't waste larry miller was 10 things i hate about you which is a good movie which is why we're not going to be talking about it on the show (laughs) (laughs) real um but yeah and so he decides after talking to a drunk guy and after getting turned down by a pretty lady who i think was rita wilson yes and i love her (laughs) and again i felt i i wanted more rita even though it wouldn't have made sense for there to be more rita i just wanted more rita because i like rita yeah rita's great rita's great she's also great on girls she's she's just generally great um yeah and so he writes this piece uh he gets in trouble uh his ex-wife who is who is his editor has to fire him and is is apparently like with hector alexando because you know if you have gary marshall you have to have hector alexando in there (laughs) and true um he uh so he's disgraced and hector's like hey i don't know hector's character's name he's just hector so hector's just like hey why don't you just go to the town and redeem yourself by writing a GQ piece about this woman and like getting your facts straight and proving that she is like a man eater that just runs away from every man. And it's just like, that's an insane premise. Okay, you, okay, this man writes a factually incorrect sexist piece of shit article. Hector's wife fires him and then Hector's like, well, I think I'm going to help you out, bro. Right, and I'm going (laughs) to help you out by basically telling you to stalk this woman so that you can potentially sell a one-off piece to get your career back because that's how it works to be a writer. Yeah, apparently. And it's just like, why would you spend, like, that's a lot of money to spend, like, on a chance. Yeah, I was, the whole time... With this interaction, I kept thinking in my head about how much Richard Gere was going to pay in rent when he went to the town where Julia Roberts was, how much he's spending on food, and how much he might get paid if he sells the piece, even to a top-tier paying publication. I was like, you might get a few grand, but you'll burn through that writing the piece. Yeah, exactly, because like even like... (laughs) 
even like later on we watch him buy her buy her a one thousand dollar wedding dress so it's like that's a thousand dollars right there <laughs> again yeah the whole he wasn't an editor because edit we editors do get paid better they sometimes they make twice what writers make and reporters make but he was a reporter who got fired and somehow he was able to keep his big apartment yes in New York, and yeah. I realize every rom-com has this, the big apartments that are not explained. Yeah. Uh, that's just a thing because I guess writing in roommates and those dynamics is too much work. But uh, he was able to do that so that he can go ruin Julia Roberts' life and feel better about his emptiness. <laughs> My take. <laughs> so Hector tells him, go write the real story and he's like wow man that's that's deep thank you except he doesn't really say that because he doesn't know how to be even slightly vulnerable with one of his only friends okay and so what we have here what we have with runaway bride honestly is what is a horror movie it's a horror movie where a man goes to a woman's hometown stalks her makes friends with all of her friends everyone around makes friends with the police chief makes friends with her dad he makes friends not only that but with all of her exes he just follows her the fuck around and then when she gets upset about it everybody's just like what he's fine he's homeless he's so charming and he's not he's antagonizing to everyone i mean mostly her but he's condescending to everyone he definitely thinks he's better because he's from the city and you know oh my god you know what scene you know what scene was super creepy um it's the one where she goes to like the first guy that she breaks up with um the the rocker oh my god she's just like talking to him and she's talking to him in his garage and he's just like she's just like please don't invite this man here please don't talk to this man and then the car comes down and then he's already there not only is he already in the garage he's in a car he's looking at a photo of her topless at a concert it's so (laughs) yeah like even the pettiest ex i feel like would would say who the fuck is richard gear and why does he want info about why is he looking at her tits and and then they both laugh about it and the way that it feels in the movie it feels again this goes back to it being the male gaze or through the men's perspective that julia roberts is oh they really just show her and she's supposed to feel really bad about the fact oh. that she got drunk years ago at a concert with this dipshit <laughs> and it's like no you guys are the ones who are scrounging up an old topless photo of her because you're not human beings like what is wrong with you this movie really treats her like a villain and it's like really like we're gonna we are not gonna be fully recounting this plot because it's just it's stupid this whole thing is stupid let's just like two hours long and there's two hours let's just psychoanalyze this shit so what is going on really is that julia roberts is a is a product of a patriarchal society in which she feels like she has to be whoever she needs to be for whatever man that she's with and she is stuck in that loop so she knows how to be charming she knows how to get them to like her she does not know how to like like herself and she does not know how to be she doesn't know how to like immerse herself in her own interests and her own wants and needs so like as much as she like leaves guys at the altar she's also like it's not her fault that she's like this and probably like a few months to a year of therapy could have really sorted this out what we didn't need was some fucking old man following her around everywhere (laughs) yeah not to mention her dad has a drinking problem and her dad is lovable but very condescending oh yeah super condescending paternal her mom is dead she has a fun sassy grandma who i wish was in 90 percent more of the movie oh my god when she's talking about sex was seriously kept me going it kept me going that scene was amazing because that old woman was just like (laughs) that old woman was just like she's afraid of the one-eyed snake (laughs) that was that i will say this about runaway bride runaway bride has some really good actors in it yeah so as much as i hate the plot i love julia roberts i think she does a fabulous job 
I hate Richard Gere's character, but I still like him. Yeah. Uh, Joan Cusack, who plays Rich, uh, Julia Roberts' only real friend. Like, she's oh, yeah, because, friends, because, that, because that blonde girl is not her friend. <laughs> oh, no. She's a backstabbing bitch, and she is just trying to get the D. And, you know, hey, whatever. But... <laughs> Well, we'll have another. We could have a whole podcast on her. Oh uh, my god, she just man, like, like the moment that she leaves Christopher Maloney at the at the um, at the wedding rehearsal, the Christopher Maloney is walking out, and this blonde girl just runs after him, and, and Joan Cusack is just like, oh, she has a thing for needy men. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. So Christopher Maloney <laughs> plays. So when Ike, aka. Richard Gere goes to the small town. Christopher Maloney is the one dimensional. He's like the manic pixie dream guy uh, for Julia Roberts. And he's basically, he's the coach and he says these corny aphorisms that are supposed to be sports psychology. Oh my God. He's so mountains. And he's like a puppy and like you, you have nothing against him, but he's also unbelievable. He, Not that there aren't men like that. I have met some, but I, the I, way he interacts with Richard Gere is unrealistic. I have a retort. Okay. So yes, he's very puppy like in the sense that, yeah, he's a coach and yeah, he's climbed Everest and he seems really sweet. And there's that scene where he like puts her on the football thing and like all the football <laughs> football players like push her across the field and he calls it her chariot <laughs> oh yeah uh i was like all right gary marshall okay look at those fantasies i but guess here's the thing there's a part in you near like the end when you start to realize that oh she's probably gonna end up with richard gear where he talks about like how he's been helping her with focusing exercises oh my god the condescension <laughs> and paternalism and then there's yeah there's a scene where both of them richard gear and christopher maloney are sitting on either side of her i think at a diner or something or maybe a bar doesn't matter um and they're both basically talking to each other while she's there about oh, yeah. her and how she needs to focus so that she can stay married which is one of the most patriarchal like this, this absurdist a- moments i've seen in a movie that's not that's not, you know, some form of uh, actual abuse. I was like, what the hell is yeah. happening? Yeah, this is a very patriarchal movie. And I know that, like, when people hear feminists talk about, like, the patriarchy, because, oh, the surprise, surprise, shocker, we are feminists. Um, when we talk about the patriarchy, it's like everybody acts like it's like this big, like, evil monster that we're talking about. But no, like, Runaway Bride is a great just example of the patriarchy. Like, from top to bottom, everybody there just, like, makes this woman feel like all of her mistakes are like it's weird because they blame her but they're also just like oh well maybe it's the right man that like hasn't tamed her yet like nobody says that but i feel like that's what everybody's thinking oh, they're all just waiting for her to get taken care of because then once she's married she doesn't have to be a person because she'll just be a wife right and she's like an interesting per- like she's what is she like she's like an electrician yeah, or like she's, a, she's a mechanic she's a mechanic and yeah. she also works at a hardware store yeah so like and and julia roberts is a great actress and she is funny her character is funny so she's funny she's cute she's warm she's nice to be around she's nice to everybody but oh no she can't seem to like marry any of these fucking men in her small town that she had to move back to she was in school because her dad she's basically taking care of her drug dad so then she's you know bored and depressed and it's kind of like it's kind of like if andy from pretty in pink just like never met blaine and just like stayed at home (laughs) because like she (laughs) i like this yeah because she just like she she was going to go have a life and be somebody somewhere and instead she's basically staying home like like just like hanging around town and like taking care of her dad and the thing about also like dating in a small town which i'm from one of those like not as small as that town but still like there's just not a lot of guys there and you're just and everybody around you is married and you just think that you should be married too and like aside from that blonde girl like i think everyone that we interact with is married and she's just her and that blonde girl are just like the last women standing in this small town where there's fucking nobody so much fucking nobody that like Julia Roberts' ex-boyfriend is Joan Cusack's husband. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That, okay, I actually, that moment, and maybe, again, this is because Joan Cusack is a great actress, but there's a moment where Joan Cusack and Richard Gere are talking. They're at the football game. Oh, that's a great scene. Christopher Maloney is coaching, 
and um, Joan's husband is down and he's involved and Julia Roberts is down cheering people on and somehow it comes up, uh, Joan tells Richard that uh, her husband dated Julia Roberts in high school or at the end of high school, they were adults, but very young. And she goes, Oh yeah, but they were never going to get married or anything. But sometimes he calls her magpie and, and then Joan kind of teeters off, um, and, and closes the moment because it's obvious that this is something that's painful for her. And she feels slightly jealous, but also Julia Roberts is her friend and she's aware that some of the feelings she's having while valid, Julia Roberts can't do much about them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Oh, and then the camera pans to Julia Roberts and Joe Cusack's husband is really excited and he does a chest bump with Julia Roberts mm-hmm. and they're high-fiving and everything. Yeah. And um, it's it's slightly, it was kind of flirtatious, but again, back on the patriarchy thing, like I, I do it agree. Was very, it, was, it was flirtatious, but it was also very harmless too. It was flirtatious, but it was harmless. And again, I felt like it goes back to like sexualizing her. Like she was not allowed to interact with any, especially any man without it being measured as, oh, she, uh, a scale of whether they found her desirable and whether, whether she was sexually available. Yeah. I feel like there was very much this narrative that Julia Roberts wasn't allowed to exist and be, she was there for other people's satisfaction and they decided whether or not you know, they wanted to pick her and try to keep her and, yeah. and then she would bust away. Yeah. I really wanted her out of that town, honestly, um, for that reason. But you know, it, it, the Joan Cusack scene is probably the only scene where Richard Gere interacts with another human being without like this air of just like ass. Like, Oh yeah. Absolutely. Just, it was a very like honest and scene. And it, maybe it was just because he was caring about a woman for five seconds, like as a human being. And I was yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Like he wasn't trying to fuck Joan Cusack and right. he wasn't trying to exploit this knowledge. Yeah. You knew he was going to keep this one tucked in well at least until he gave julia roberts shit about it in the next scene yeah in that moment he was genuinely apathetic to joan and he asked her if she was okay because she needed to go yeah yeah Um, i wish there was more of that in this movie because like that was like a moment and also like joan cusack plays joan cusack is like a great actress i don't know how i feel about her as like a human being but i read too many blogs um oh yeah see i don't know about her as a human being that might be better i read all the blogs and no one should if you want to like people just don't read them just, just don't, don't just see them in the movies don't ask them what their opinions are just enjoy them oh movies. boy yeah um but uh if there was any character in this movie that i related to it was jim cusack <laughs> like that like it me like the whole time i was looking at her i was like oh yeah it me and i was just <laughs> i was having a very like emotional experience like watching her especially the <laughs> uh the scene where she talks to joan cusack about um, her flirtatiousness with her husband. And I was like, Oh my God, this is a conversation that I would like. Jim Cusack is like a mirror universe of me. If I had stayed in my hometown. So like, (laughs) I was very thankful. I ended like, man, I'm glad I don't live in Georgia. You were like, Oh wow. That was a, that was a mirror that I, I'm glad is not my life. No, thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) Oh yeah. When she talked about how, and, you know, she she says to Julie Roberts, and this this was a tender scene, mm-hmm. and I think you know both the actresses are really good, and I also felt the writing in the scene was good, mm. um, where they basically Julia Roberts apologizes and said and asks Joan Cusack, "Do I flirt?" And Joan says, "Yes, but you've always been this way. Um, you've always flirted with whatever man is around." And men find you fascinating because, you know, you're beautiful and funny and you have this certain mystery. And and then Julia Roberts does a thing where, like, she feels uncomfortable, which is understandable. And so she tries to deflect it by saying, oh, yeah, but you, you know, you and your husband. And Joan's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not worried about us, but I don't have that same mystery because we've been married. And, yeah. and then they get into this discussion of quirky and weird, which... I feel now there's a lot of conversations about, I mean, the whole quirky and the manic pixie dream girl is very played out, but then it was a pretty clever conversation Mm -hmm. to be written into a movie where Joan makes a distinction. She says, no, I'm just weird. You're quirky. Mm -hmm. There's a difference in how men respond to that. Yeah. 
yeah and i mean she's right like i almost feel like like a woman just like 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 gary marshall like fell asleep in his typewriter and like a woman showed up and wrote that scene oh yeah it had too much emotional intelligence like for how male gazy and tropey and annoying the like so much of the movie was that scene had a lot of nuance Okay, so so can um, did you like any of the almost husbands? Because I liked one and only one. <laughs> oh, um, I like I actually kind of liked the priest. Yeah, that's the one that I liked. It was yeah. that was the Donald Logue character. I was like, oh yay, early Donald Logue number one. That's yeah. nice. Nice to see you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was. Donald Logue, he is from um uh 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 God, what's that one? What's that one sitcom? The sitcom uh mm, mm, it's why why am I blanking on this? I I watched so much of this stupid fucking show and you don't know what it is. Did you not watch sitcoms? Were you not a sitcom kid? I don't I don't know what Donald I mean I know who he is, obviously, because I'm in, I'm looking at him in his priest outfit. But I'm not connecting this. Grounded for life. Grounded okay, for life. Okay, I saw that. So I he was the left. dad on Grounded for Life. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good sitcom. That's a good sitcom. Watch Grounded for Life. Grounded for Life. Okay. Yes. Yes. Very good. Um. Yeah. He was really, really good on Grounded for Life. So it was cool. It was cool to see him. It was like it was a fun time. It was a fun time. I wish that there and was he, more of him. And he felt more like. You couldn't get that much because it was one scene, but he did feel more like he saw her than the other two because the rocker guy just seemed kind of burned out. And then, um, and then obviously the guy in the bar was just as bitter as, as, uh, yeah. Richard gear and, and less success. Well, actually, no, he had, he had his own career thing going. He yeah. just seemed very bitter and like he had a thing against women. So. I like, I can like imagine how it worked for each one. Like the rocker guy, it was just like an eighties kind of romance thing where it's just, where it's just like you fall in love with some dude at a concert or you think you did and you got high together and you thought, okay, married, whatever. And you know, there was the whole fake rose tattoo thing where it seems like she was like trying to pretend to be a free spirit that she wasn't. Cause like apparently she, they had the same tattoo and then uh, it's revealed when Rich in that creepy scene where Richard Gere shows up in that garage with her first almost husband, and he's just like, "I bet you it was a stick on." And I just wanted to punch him in the God. He was face. such a dick, and it was like, <laughs> again, he's in this random guy's apartment, and he's actively doing things to to make this guy miserable because he's bringing up these old memories yeah. of Julia Roberts. And again, somehow this is supposed to be some indictment on Julia Roberts because when she was what in her early twenties, like, like yeah, very she young. got a fake tattoo to impress a dude. Like that doesn't make you a bad person. That makes you a human being. Yeah. And then both of them act like, yeah, that's what you get Julia. And, but at the same time, there's no space for her to be herself or have, different opinions than yeah, the men she that just, are putting, putting pressure on her. She's just supposed to magically be what they want and, yeah. in a genuine way. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so like that, so that seemed like a very kid-like thing. The thing with Donald Logue seems like she was trying to clean herself up. Like she was kind of playing the whole like proper lady game, especially because you see all the weddings. Like the first one, the first one is like this like hippy dippy like there's a trampoline and like everybody has like tambourines and flowers in their hair and whatever then you see the Donald Logue one which is in like a which is like stuffy and like a catholic church and you know like very very proper so I'm imagining that she probably during that time took on a very very proper persona like like a waspy kind of thing like a yeah. fake catholic like kind of like thing like have a weird like blouse scarf thing yes yes blouse scarf definitely and then this the asshole in the bar what it seems like with him is that i don't know maybe she was like trying to be with an intellectual he seems like one of those like faux intellectual like fuckwads like that's what it seems oh like yeah to me. like he talks in his you know capital i intellectual voice while he's at work or around anyone career related but then at the bar he's just a shit bag yeah i mean yeah yeah and he had that like goatee which made me think that like this is a guy who's like red proust or proust or whatever the fuck he will definitely (laughs) tell you how to pronounce it he is that guy (laughs) absolutely 
And and Julie Roberts, like he probably gave her a stack of books to read when right? they started dating. <laughs> it's like the at one point oh, this is near the end I'm skipping around but I realize we're we're psychoanalyzing we're not giving people the cliff notes they can watch the movie yeah or don't watch or this don't. movie you know just like, like you honestly, probably got the idea that she's gonna end up with Richard Gere she's left three men before him and, and I mean essentially he he there he just like first he's like really really shitty to her and then he like is just like wait no i'm not shitty everyone in this town is shitty to you and you just don't see it (laughs) and so there's that weird thing and then they like and then they like decide to be together i can't even think about like what made them fall in love in the first place except oh yeah the kiss at the rehearsal dinner really and then they date for a little bit and then they're about to have a big gigantic wedding and then she runs like very very iconically jumps into a FedEx <laughs> truck. Oh yeah, that that is Okay, that see this movie is bizarre because obviously there's a lot of suspension of disbelief. Um, but I loved, I actually loved the full absurd parts. Like when she's in the FedEx, I wish, I almost wish it had leaned into that because I think I almost would have been able to deal with some of the emotional ineptitude and the low key emotional abusive behaviors of Richard Gere and the other men. If it had been not, nothing would have justified that, but if it had just leaned into the absurdity of her running away or played up those moments it could oh, be yeah, a because whole the, different vibe yeah because the running away moments are great like they're hilarious and they're really well choreographed it's it's great oh my god the first wedding she just like hops on a bike which is hops on like a motorcycle and tells the guy to go which is which is um also how <laughs> i'm gonna nerd out for a second series finale of sabrina the teenage witch she's about to get married to a guy who's not harvey <laughs> Harvey shows up on a motorcycle <laughs> and like the show ends with her getting on the back of Harvey's motorcycle in a wedding dress and then like riding off and then like running by no doubt plays. This is how much I watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I love that. I was getting Sabrina the Teenage Witch vibes. I was very, I was very into You were that. like, thank God. Oh my God. This yeah. will help me with the last 15 minutes of the movie, which what? <laughs> what movie needs just another 15 minutes? Never. Um, the second time she leaves she's just walking down the aisle and she just turns around (laughs) oh yeah yeah that oh I like that that yeah the leaving was so so clever and that's the thing there is maybe if it wasn't the reporter vibe or something the idea of following a woman who has left multiple men at at the altar is a clever idea for a rom-com yeah, I mean, you know, I, I kind of wish they'd taken it like a more like a journalistic approach to it, maybe. Yeah. Like, you know, one of those formats where it's like, where it's like, you know, where people's names show up in the corner and like they, they like really leaned into style. It might oh, be yeah. like really cool. Just give it an office vibe. Yes, like an office vibe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like everyone's doing confessionals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially with the characters in that small town. That would have worked so oh, yeah. well. Th- that would have been good. Yeah. now we're just rewriting the movie yeah we are i feel like this is what we end up doing uh with almost all of the movies because they are bad and mm-hmm. but there's always something that we like or we want and that's because we're, we pick movies that are popular bad you yeah. know we're not we're not like doing mystery science theater 3000 and digging up the most obscure bad rom-com oh, which, which, we, which we could do know about <laughs> and therefore they have a hook even if the rest of it's bad i mean and the hook so, really is that richard Gere and julia roberts were in pretty woman which was directed by gary marshall and gary marshall wanted to do another movie with that pairing and he didn't really think about it very hard yeah <laughs> Yeah, and they have they do have an on-screen chemistry. But oh man. I mean, he's still like her dad. Like every single time he looked at her, every single time they had a romantic moment, even the scene where like he's pushing her on the swing, he just seemed like her dad. He seemed like the like it seemed like her dad wasn't a good dad. He was a drunk and he didn't listen to her or whatever. 
and Richard Gere was the listening dad. He just seemed like her dad. It was so, it made me so uncomfortable. It was very daddy issues, and it was very deeply... I mean, even like the scene I, where she like proposes to him at the end. I'm like, it's like, he's like, like to dead, baby. and like, <laughs> was so, I mean, back the condescension and she was infantilized. And even when she found herself, it was, you know, she was trying to win him back because mm-hmm. she left him at the aisle. And so she goes to New York and she's designed lamps and they're selling and she figured out what kind of egg she likes because there's this whole. Oh yeah, there. Oh yeah, we didn't. We didn't talk about that. Um, you find out that like with every guy that she's with, she just says that her favorite kind of eggs is the the way that she likes her eggs is the same way that they like their eggs. So nobody actually knows how she likes her eggs. And near the end, we find out that she likes eggs Benedict, which I respect. <laughs> I love eggs Benedict. But also, I have switched up my egg choices throughout the years because I get bored with eggs. But this isn't about me. This is about Julia Roberts. Right, right, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so she, she comes she comes to his apartment in New York, which, again, is huge for oh, an yeah, unemployed reporter. Gigantic. And she, uh, she tells him that she knows what kind of eggs she likes. She, she basically she apologizes and basically says, you taught me, you showed me that I didn't know myself. I didn't see myself and you saw me and basically like, thank you for saving me, man. Oh yes. Um, thank you for like white knighting me. Yeah. It's so, it's so great. Like, so, but instead of like spending some time to get to know myself and, you know, maybe finish my degree, I'm just going to marry you. Cause that seems like a great, great idea. We're not going to have a, an emotionally, horrible dynamic that's full of emotional of, of gaslighting and codependence um oh also 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 <laughs> i i just i'm just i'm here to just compare movies to other movies that's my job um so <laughs> have you seen the sex in the city movie no i haven't okay so basically the plot of the sex in the city movie is that carrie wants to marry big and but big has already been married twice before and he doesn't want a big wedding and he has a lot of anxiety but she doesn't pay attention to that so she has this gigantic wedding and it freaks big out so he like doesn't show up and so then they have like a big like breakup moment or whatever and so for a lot of the movie they're not together and it's and we're just paying attention to all the other stupid ass plots in that stupid ass movie uh, <laughs> um and so it, the but the movie basically ends with like them having like a small wedding like big wanted and it's just like it's just his anxiety it's just because carrie was too fucking self-absorbed to just have a fucking small wedding in the fucking first place when you're marrying like a middle-aged man who's been married before like girl why yeah it's a big spectacle of a wedding it's fucking bullshit like as much as i don't think that he should have left her at the altar i totally understood why he just didn't want to be around with all the cameras and all the nonsense anyway so i mean basically that that was another thing that was like another thread in runaway bride where like you just find out that she doesn't like big weddings to begin with <laughs> which is and all of her weddings have been dressed are huge it's the yes. whole town and the whole t- and of course after the first few where she runs away there's people that are there for for the spectacle and because they doubt it and so yeah when you find out that she wants a small wedding it's like oh yeah of course there's there's an anxiety aspect here that's outside of the relationship itself. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like the big wedding it, it almost was just like her trying to prove herself to something because I mean there there of course there's the wedding dress scene which I fucking hate. I fucking hate that wedding dress. Scene. Ew, he It was such ew, bullshit because I hated like, it. I understand like it's it's like he's trying to it, it's supposed to frame him as a savior because this lady doesn't want to sell her this $1000 dress and it's because she gets married a lot she she and she never goes through with it. But it's also just like this is a really weird way to show that you're standing up for her because it is a thousand dollar you're dropping a thousand dollars and you're getting mad at this woman who was being kind of bitchy but she was also kind of right she was she was also right she was also just like being 
an older woman in the town who knew Julie Roberts. And and yes, she was being bitchy, but I also think she was genuinely like, girl, you're going to need that $700 when you're settling in your place with your husband. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you can spend 300 even if you stay married and still be happy. And Richard Gere's like, no, me, look at me. And he like picks up the dress like a fucking jackass. And then when Julia Roberts puts it on, of course, there's that moment where it's like somehow her hair was up before and now it's perfectly like suave and down. Yeah. And then she's wearing the dress and of course she looks great. And Richard Gere has like is is looking at her and she's like, what do you think? And like she's very doe eyed and waiting for his affirmation. And then he uh, and then he's just like, oh, you know, like he can't he basically negs her because after his whole spectacle, he can't fucking handle the vulnerability or emasculation of just saying you look nice without either being a creep that's trying to steal her from her fiance or you know using her her his attraction to her as some sort of condescending linchpin he was just yeah that that moment really drove me crazy when he goes to all this big spectacle effort to get her this dress and then when she puts it on he's just like no whatever like I'm not going to give you affirmation. It's like, yeah, no wonder she's, this is what all the dudes in her life are like. No wonder she doesn't know who she is. Like nobody's actually like engaging with her. Yeah. I mean, it really seems like the only person in town who treats her like a person is Joan Cusack and Joan Cusack seems like she seems, she seems like a really great friend, but you can tell how she feels like ill-equipped to figure out exactly what's wrong. And she doesn't really know what to do. There's so many movies. Have you noticed, especially with older movies where you're just thinking therapy, therapy. Oh yeah. Why won't someone just say therapy, therapy, yeah. therapy? Like, <laughs> absolutely. And like, I would joke Cusack. Yeah. She, she really cares. And there is an aspect where on one hand, Julia Roberts is caring. She's sensitive and she does have this, sort of essence of she absorbs things but she also is self-absorbed um and and i don't i don't think in the way that richard Gere puts her as or or any of the men who act like she's this monster she's not she's just but i think she is genuinely over in over her head and because she hasn't gotten to know herself it's hard for her to interact with people in a deeply healthy way and so with the joan cusack friendship at least my take was Julia Roberts really loves her and appreciates her. And she does see Joan Cusack, but I also think Julia Roberts always has a debacle going on. And so she can't really be there for Joan in return. And so I think I see a little bit of pain for Joan there. Yeah. Oh my God. We're making this movie sound way deeper than it is. I know. Please don't watch this movie. You and I are reading in real deep. Please don't watch this movie. I mean, because it's so annoying to sit through that you just have to find yourself. It truly is bad. Like it's, 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 it's bad. We're painting it it like with, with more human colors because that's what we do. But, (laughs) Um, our projections don't don't the movie make yeah like we should write like a heartfelt piece for for about this movie for like bitch media or something like rediscovering runaway bride and like you should just read that piece and yeah. just not Soak watch that this movie especially if you're a woman because you're just sitting there just it's just like a bunch of clueless men trying to tell you what to think like that's what it feels like and we all deal with that enough in our real already. lives yeah we don't need to elect to do that to ourselves and it's just this movie this movie actually like drained me because i thought okay it's gonna be fun it's like how could a movie with such bright colors and such interesting characters like suck the life out of you i actually had to shut it off for a while (laughs) i'm not gonna lie it was about 40 minutes before the end and i had to take a break because i was so angry it's so yeah it's so so upsetting it's upsetting it's like uh, like I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about how angry it made me. It reminded me of Passengers and how angry I was seeing Passengers. Oh, I haven't seen Passengers. I uh, don't. Yeah, this don't. Is, I'm going to believe you on this. Don't. It, everything that I've made, every other thing that I've made reference to on this podcast today, including the movie that we're covering, don't watch it. Watch Grounded for Life, though. That's that's good. Grounded for Life is good. <laughs> All the sitcom. Got your Kevin Corrigan from Pineapple Express. That's good. It's a good time. Um... But yeah, it's God. Like it's, I feel like the more like even talk like I, like, I, I feel that, like I feel like next episode we're gonna have to do a non Gary Marshall. Like I know we're gonna have to come back to him because there's because, because he just has so many bad popular. Right. Oh my god! I, I found out like, that he did he Overboard. Oh my god! 
I mean, we, yeah, I think we do need to take a, a podcast off of Gary, but I wouldn't be surprised if we return to him right after because, you know, yeah. he, he just has created so many. But this, I was excited because I knew I would get the catharsis of talking with you, but even so, it's still psychically draining to think about that. Yeah, movie. I feel like we just did like a, we just like psych, we psychoanalyzed this movie. Like that's, that is legitimately what we did. And, and I like got some vodka and I thought that that would make it easier for me. And then I would like have more fun. But like, even like looking at my notes was making me angry. God. Well, there's also, <laughs> there's all these subtleties in it too. And again, not because it's deep, it's just the mannerisms of the acting, um, where Richard Gere and really all of the men that are around Julia Roberts don't respect her personal space. He'll, he'll lean in, he'll put his hand on her shoulder without asking, he'll put his hand on her waist, he'll whisper, he'll stand, like people will stand behind her all the time, and I notice this because that's one of my pet peeves, uh. if somebody stands right, right behind me as a way to bother me or be funny, I want to punch them, and people did that to her a lot as this way of being like, haha, I'm here, you're going to fuck up, and I'm going to watch you. Oh my god. And that, those subtleties were what drove me to turn it off for, for, for oh. a little Good. I mean, even yeah. when, even when like he like uh, like around the time when he when Richard Gere originally shows up, there's a part where he like turns to her and he's just like, "I'm here to watch you run." And I'm just like, "I call again, the police." Exactly. <laughs> again, going back to the reporter thing, uh, not le- he has no legal grounds to do any of this. There's oh, no yeah. like protection nothing. legally. Nothing. It's nothing. not professional. There's nothing, nothing like people go for stories. They go to locations and they do interview people for stories, but they don't just follow them like they go to events they interview people and again I realize Gary Marshall is not out to create a movie about an ethical journalist that's not the point but that also bugged me um oh it was all it was just all all of it all of it all of it it's terrible it's 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 bad and it's the worst and last last podcast when we decided uh, afterwards when we decided we were going to do Runaway Bride I was really excited because I remembered enjoying this movie when I was younger I knew it was bad I've never been that yeah I mean I have been that naive but as an adult teen I haven't been that naive I knew it was bad but re-watching it I couldn't even have fun the way that I used to like it ruined my youth because I remember watching this on TBS like there I feel like we're going to go we're going to get to we're going to go through so many movies that I used to watch on TBS that I thought were good movies and every single time I'm going to be like tbs lied tbs is not very funny yeah tbs is very evil (laughs) i also i mean i think one of the reasons that bothered me was i realized how much internalized misogyny i had when i was younger yeah and how that played into how i saw it because i never thought julia roberts was evil but i definitely put more blame on her in my past viewings it was way more like oh man she really is a mess yeah it's just like but oh no they're not great well except for donald Lowe. actually like i probably would have married donald Lowe. he was was a solid dude (laughs) and he even like there was this moment where julia roberts was like i'm sorry for hurting you basically and 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 he, it was obvious that he had forgiven her, but also that for him, it was a deep, he seemed like the only one who'd maybe gone to therapy. <laughs> yeah. He seemed like he like, had gone to therapy and he had figured out what he wanted to do with his life and he was doing it. He was a priest and he seemed really happy as a priest. And even at the end, at the end, when he finds out that she like actually marries Richard Gere, you see him just like frolicking with some nuns. And I'm just like, this man is, this is a happy like, man. This man is adorable. Oh my Sign God. Up for his adorable <laughs> ass. <laughs> Let's get it. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, that escalated. No, 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 Uh, it's fine. No, I would know. I would watch him and those nuns dancing. Like, what if they did like a little nun, little dance troupe? Oh my God. What if they made a little choir, a little little show choir? I would watch that. Oh, so adorable. (laughs) So so about that. It was so cute. Yeah. So moral of this podcast, just pay attention to Donald Oak. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Hector. I liked Hector's, even though Hector's character was less believable in this, I just like his vibe. Yeah. Hector is. I mean, he's maybe that's why Gary Marshall like, put him in everything. Right. Yeah, yeah, like you, you kind of trust him even when he's saying fucked up shit. You're like, yeah, but Hector knows uh, he's been there. Yeah, he has. And yeah. you know, jo- Joan Cusack is great in everything. She is. I loved everything. her in School of Rock. Yeah, yeah. She's. Does that she, count as a rom com? 
No. Kind of, mm, I mean, I, I, how, and I'm still, and I still like, how, some, this, how in the genre do we have to stay? You know, how canon are we? I don't know. We'll have to think about it. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll have to think about it. Cause I don't know what episode we're doing, what movie we're doing next, but I'm going to think about, I'm going to try to pick something really, really fun. Cause I feel like this was like, this is like, if anyone's, if well I hope you're listening while you're listening you're just like thinking about your life and your choices and like who you were with and like it's just this one's kind of it's not a deep move, movie but it, it got me to some deep dark places because I did see myself and Julia Robert both in the internalized misogyny that I used to have when I liked that movie yeah and when I was younger I had some of her characteristics where I would alter myself slightly you know depending yeah. on who I was around and I now I'm I, I I know what kind of eggs I like, but I think that also made this movie sit weird with me. Yeah. So, Ugh. I mean, I'm married to Richard Gere now, so it's fine. Yeah. 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 So everything's fine. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh well, my God. now that we just dumped out our souls onto you listeners, yeah, I hope yeah. you have, I hope, I hope you, you feel closer to us now. I hope you feel close. Yeah. 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 <laughs> absolutely and we will pick another fabulous yes. light i mean i think that's the thing is this movie is supposed to be lighthearted, but we just saw the pathos it's, in it yeah it's just not it's it is just it is it is just a dark movie that is painted very nicely and it, it's very deceptive that way you think that you're gonna watch it and you're gonna relax it will not help you relax i promise especially if you're a woman it's not relaxing not relaxing at all no nope. um so um you should follow this podcast on Twitter. Yes, at, please. At Bromance Pod. Uh, there's there's a nice, like, adorable little logo. Uh, right now, this podcast is kind of living on Patreon until I, until I put it somewhere else. But um, I will... I'm working on it. Everything's a work in progress. Life is a work in progress. Um, wow. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, very, very deep. That was a very Donald statement. (laughs) Yeah. So we will see you next time. Yes, take care of yourselves. And, you know, if you want to run away from the altar, that's your life. Yeah, do it. Do it. If anybody tries to, like, neg you into into a marriage that you don't want to be in, just, just go to therapy instead and get a restraining order. Wow. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Bye.